I'm Bernie Crane. I'm John Crane. You're listening to the Jazz Session with Jason Crane, our dad. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Nicholas Payton. This is episode 372. Hey, did you hear the news? The Jazz Session is going on tour. That's right. Starting June 1st, 2012, I am taking the show all across the U.S., probably into Canada, and probably into other countries, too. You can join in on the excitement. Just go to thejazzsession.com slash tour. That's thejazzsession.com slash tour and find out how to take part. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at respectsextet.com. Thanks to Dave Rabel, who designed the show's logo. You'll find him at twitter.com slash Dave Rabel. All About Jazz has a widget for this show, and you can get it by going to All About Jazz and typing in Jazz Session Widget in the search box. It's just a little bit of code that you can put on your website, and if you do that, I will mention you on my newsletter or in my newsletter, which goes out each week. Please join the show. You can do that at thejazzsession.com slash join, and in fact, it is your membership that will keep me alive while I am on the road on tour. You can find out more again by going to thejazzsession.com slash tour for tour information and thejazzsession.com slash join to become a member. Please review the show in iTunes. Just go to the iTunes Music Store and search for Jazz Session. You can give it a star rating up to five stars and also type in a short review. Thank you very much. That helps me a lot. Follow me on Twitter at Jason D. Crane, D as in David, and you can also follow my poetry blog at jasoncrane.org and buy my book, all of which will also help keep me alive as I head out into the world. My guest today is the vocalist Maria Neckham. She's got a new album on Sunnyside called Unison, and from it, here is I Miss You.
My guest is the vocalist Maria Nickham. It's uh, great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, we have never met until just this moment, as far as I remember. But uh, I feel after having listened to Unison, your new record on Sunnyside, a lot of times, like I like I actually know you. It seems like an intensely personal record that really comes from who you are. So either it is not, and it's just a really well-crafted character, or it is, and it's a very personal record. And maybe you can tell me which is true. Nah, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, of course. Um, this is interesting. Well, I guess that could be said of my music in general. Um, but maybe this this record is even more personal. I thought about it yesterday, and I realized it's my third record. And I think my first record was really a European record. The second one was my New York record. And this <laughs> one really brings both together. So in that sense... It's the most personal, too, and the most developed, I think. Um, also, in a sense, I, I feel the whole project is kind of very personal. Also, I, I took the photos in my grandmother's old place, basically before the whole place was torn down. Oh, wow. So it's like really my link, the link of, of the past and the present. I miss you, and I know you miss me, too. What differentiates uh, a European record from a New York record for you? Is there other sound or style differences, or is it purely personnel differences? Hmm. Of course, the you know the musicians on it and my own experiences that I worked into the music. Um, but there's definitely a sound difference. Yeah, the European one's more. I feel it's more open and airy and uh, just a little more straight. Everything is always a little <laughs> more straight. <laughs> A little less loose and, and yeah, just American mentality is different. You know, there's, there's also a little more of, of, I don't know, almost like animality, I feel <laughs> in like the art here in a good way. You know, it's just really people just kind of throw themselves into it. And that's one of the things I love about, about music here. And, and also, especially the society in New York, you know, people just throw themselves wholeheartedly into what they do. And uh, they don't really hold back. And it's very, it's a little more organic. I feel a lot of times, uh, not so heady, maybe so. Which is interesting, because your album is full of it's very wordy, which I really dig. Like, I'm a huge fan of the kind of Joni Mitchell style lyrics where, you know, it's like, let's see how many words we can possibly fit into this one line before I run out of breath. And your album is also very wordy. I mean, it's very intricate. The music is very intricate. Um, I don't know if I would describe it as heady, but, but it's obviously, it's music that's involving the brain as well as the... The gut or this animality that you're talking about. Well, that's the European side of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's where I come from. Yeah, that's also 
my tendency. I think a lot. <laughs> and um, but I don't know if I would say that about the whole record, though, mm. because I think there's very different songs. Some have a lot of words, and others have very few words. Sure. Actually, also. Um. Yeah, it's a combination of both. That's what I try to do with my music in general, I guess, and in my life to just really find a, a balance or of or a unity of of the brain and the heart, you know, and the body, you know, body and soul. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, will you talk a little bit about uh, about growing up and the, your kind of early musical upbringing in Vienna? Um, I grew up in a pretty regular. Um, a suburban um, neighborhood. You can't really say suburban. It's a little bit different in Europe than here. It was a little town I grew up in, but it was basically a suburb of Vienna. It was very close. So I was very close to the city and I got to go um, to a lot of concerts with my parents, which was great, but it was never, it was just something you, you did, you know, but not like my family's not particularly artistic and growing up, um, I was just actually talking about it yesterday with the other singer on that project I was in, who is from Austria too. I was in this horrible school, <laughs> this horrible high school. Um, it was not very artistic and it was kind of like suppressing everything that's like different than the norm, you know? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> uh, but in a way, maybe it fueled also, you know, my own artistic, um, tendency that I had already, you know, or my talents in a way that, maybe become even more of like a rebel, rebel and like a fighter and be like, no, <laughs> you're not going to tell me how to live my life. But yeah, so it, I, I would say it came more out of myself, you know, my, my music. But then I had, um, you know, I took piano lessons as a kid and I actually played electric bass in a punk band at some point. And, uh, and I started writing songs pretty early on. I always loved singing. I guess my parents always say, as a little child, I would just always sing, you know, in the car or something. I would sing. So, yeah, and then just grew up with pop music, listening to my brother's records and stuff. Um, and, and, and yeah, classical music, it, it's not something that I particularly, uh, I don't know, like, I didn't focus it on it or I wasn't consciously enjoying it, but it was just, around me you know because i just went to concerts with my mom and you would always hear it you know on the radio and to be around it around you so um i think as it kind of is a part of me because of that and i started really appreciating it only later on though when i when i went to college um but i really love classical music especially the 20th century stuff yeah but just you know i used to sing a lot i sang in a church choir i grew up Catholic, which I'm not anymore, but yeah, that was, that was a good experience and, and, and started an own band when I was 12. And then later I sang in this rock band and then I wrote my own songs. And it's funny. I, I, how, how your own character seems to be there like so early on, like from the beginning, but I, you know, I would just write songs on my guitar and, and people already commented back then, uh, that, that my songs are kind of different and they didn't have so much of verse and chorus and they were kind of complicated. <laughs> and I was always like, well, that's my song. You know, I don't even, I'd never thought about it like that. And I, I think that's still how I write. I, I don't really, um, I feel I never really learned how things are done properly. 
So, and I don't really care about it either. So, so that's why I just write in my own way. This is where none of us is right or wrong. Where did improvised music come into the picture? Uh, much later. I mean, when I was a teenager, I would also I would listen to to uh, to records and and just like improvise along with it just for fun. But I didn't think of it as I'm improvising. Um, but then later, because I I wanted to do something with music, basically, um, I was like, okay, I guess I go to college and and study. And you could only study jazz. I never wanted to be a jazz musician. <laughs> when I when I first went to 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 college at a music school, I couldn't even tell the difference between you know in a jazz standard between the theme and the improvisation. It all just sounded the same to me i couldn't even distinguish a, a trumpet from a saxophone hearing it in a recording really bad and um yeah but very very quickly i i realized that i, I really like the freedom in jazz music and i like the improvising part and um i guess it did scare me a little bit of course to try especially being surrounded by people that had been playing jazz for a long time and but but i i just did it anyway because because it's so much fun. <laughs> Did it allow your your kind of affinity for not non-standard structures to have a have a place to kind of have a home? I mean, the fact that you write songs that don't, you know, like you said, don't necessarily conform to the whole verse-chorus verse-chorus thing. Did that seem to have a a more comfortable place to sit in the improvised music world? Definitely, yeah. That's why I realized after three weeks studying that that was exactly the place I needed to be. Um, yeah, just the, that freedom, basically. You could do whatever you want, you know? And you always look for, for new things that haven't been done before and that there's, yeah, and, and certain openness for that. Yeah. And then how did you end up here in the, in New York? Well, I, I started in the Netherlands, um, but I, I realized quickly that all the people that would come through and, and, you know, most of the, the greatest, musicians they they were from here you know or were at some point based here um so i just realized this is the place to be you know why shouldn't i come here and so i did an exchange 
through school, and then I, I decided to stay transferred. And did you know by that time that this is what you wanted to try to do as your as your living? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I I always knew that. Yeah, I I mean my parents kind of tried to <laughs> steer me into other directions because they always were scared. You know, they wanted me to have something more like solid. But I I always knew I wanted to be a musician, an artist. And you, can you talk about your Manhattan School experience? What that was like. That was really great. I enjoyed it a lot. I learned so much from it, um, especially because, you know, I love composing and, and re I really focus, focus on that. I mean, the program, I did the master's program for two years and it was really, um, packed. There was so much to do. And I guess some people complained they didn't have enough time to practice. But, um, for me, it was perfect because First of all, there was so much structure and I lack structure in my life <laughs> and it was awesome because <laughs> it gave me structure. And even if I, I did homework, you know, an hour before, a half an hour before, I, I had to do it, you know, and so I did it and, and it just kept me going and it kept me working and it just gave me so many new ideas, you know, and, and ways of looking at music and, and it was great. Yeah. And I also actually, because, because I, I mean, you know, to, I was lucky because I was first a transfer, a, a, a exchange student, so I didn't have to pay it. <laughs> but, but then, you know, I did. And, and that was at first kind of, you know, insane, you know, that idea, because in Europe, school is free, basically, you know, my whole education happened free before then. So it's like an insane idea to pay that much money for school. But I, I really wanted to be here. And, um, so I somehow made it work, but I think, also because of that, I was like, okay, I'm going to get the most out of this for myself. I'm not right. doing, not going to do some crappy class that I'm not interested in. So it was great. I split my major lessons, um, first with the uh, tabla player, Samir Chatterjee, because I'd studied, um, Indian music already in Amsterdam. So that was great. And then later with, uh, near, uh, sorry, I'm still with you, <laughs> with Niels Wiegeland, um, who was an amazing composer and who was a huge influence on my life. When, when I first started studying with him, I, I, I realized like he, he gets me. I felt like for the first time someone really understood me as a composer too. It was great. <laughs> um, and I still have, I still am I'm in touch with him and I can show him my work and, you know, he'll give me suggestions yeah. and stuff. He's a wonderful person and great composer. And I started, obviously, yeah, also really great. I studied a uh, voice with Luciana Sosa, which was amazing. And also Peter Eldridge, who's so great. And, and Theo Blackman. He came into a sub a couple of times, but he's, yeah, so amazing. Just having one lesson with him is, is great. So, um, yeah. And also just like the improvising classes we had and everything. I loved it. I thought it was, was great. And just also being in New York, of course, at the same time, I wasn't like, a, a good student in the sense that I spent hours at home. I mean, I did spend hours also doing stuff, but a lot of times, like I said, I did my homework like very last minute. Um, but I always did it. Um, but I, I also went out to hear music every night. You know, a lot of times I went to two concerts a night. I, yeah, when I first came here, I, I couldn't believe how many great gigs there were every night. It was awesome.
Can you talk more about studying Indian music and its impact on what you do now? Mm -hmm. uh, I first started by studying um, Carnatic music, South Indian, in Amsterdam. Um, Why? Which is very Why did you do that? Well, there was a class in my school. Mm. <laughs> it was kind of a hip thing to do. And, you know, I always want to do the hip thing. <laughs> and it was... It was fascinating because it was different and, and I, I felt attracted to those sounds. But at the same time, again, you know, it was also food for my brain. <laughs> it's so complicated and, uh, it was a great challenge. Um, and then I met some other musicians in Amsterdam and through them, I met my, um, voice teacher, Indian voice teacher there, Sandhya Sanjana. She's great. And I took lessons from her privately and. And then when I came here, you know, I continued with Samir. It, it, it really, I think it has influenced also my tone, you know, and, and, and what I also liked about it was that the singers are really musicians and I never liked being put in any kind of box and I never really liked the singer box that some people create, you know, like, okay, you can sing pretty songs, but you don't really know what you're doing, you know, I, I always hated that <laughs> and I always tried to work against that. Um, in Indian music, it's not like that at all. You know, singers are just so extremely smart and they know exactly what they're doing and, and they're, you know, they're singing on the note names. So, so that was great to, to learn that, to practice that and, and to really, um, pay attention to the details. That's what the music is about a lot. You know, really every little thing you do in, and when you sing a note, it, it matters, you know? So. Can you talk more about how it impacted your tone? Just in terms of focusing on what my tone even is, you know? And I guess, hmm, I always had more of a straight tone, probably. But. Without with vibrato, Indian, you mean? Yeah. Okay. And in Indian, in Indian music, it's very much done like that, too. So I think that influenced me, too. I really like that. Also, I like the clarity of it and the simplicity, you know, it's very straightforward. There's no bullshit. So just a kind of straight tone and, and, and just whenever you add something, you want to add it, you know, and you don't just vibrate around just because that's what you do and you never thought about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I may, I may display my own ignorance here, but it strikes me also that, um, Carnatic music also has kind of similar to the way you write, uh, not just a, you know, a verse chorus verse chorus structure, but kind of a continual development throughout the course of a song. Is that right? Hmm. And if it's not, you can say that it's not. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I haven't studied it that much and it's been a minute. So I, I don't want to say too much because I might say something wrong, but I mean, there's a cycle usually hmm. you stay within the cycle. I f feel it's very much like jazz actually in that sense. Um, that you know um like a form you know sure that you stay in but yeah definitely there's a development from a to b and there's not a b a b c right anything. yeah will you talk about the players who are on unison with you i love this band um we first uh the the quintet we first played together when we went to italy uh in 2010 and it was just awesome we all so it's Aaron Parks on piano and Nir Felder on guitar, Thomas Morgan on bass, and then Colin Stranahan on drums. Um, yeah, I love them as people and I love them as musicians. So I think 
it's just the perfect situation. I'm very happy about it. Um, Aaron also helped me a lot uh, mixing the album and you know, trying to decide the order. He's been so generous. Everyone has been so generous too and really putting themselves into into the music. Um, and then also Samir, uh, Samir's Reef and Lars Dietrich. I've played with them for years too. I've had this uh, actually sextet with them also for a long time. And it's also very special. They're very close friends of mine. Um, and then a couple of guests, even Will Vincent is a good friend of mine. He's a special guest. Um, so it's, it's been really just a pleasure to do this record. Um, and, and every one of them is so special in their own way. So that's what I really love. I mean, obviously Thomas, nobody plays like Thomas Morgan. You know, <laughs> he's the first bass player I, I played with when I came here and he's, always my first choice because he's just so sincere and just himself Mm. and everything he plays is just so deep and we have a very strong connection too we also have the same birthday (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah and and just we always connected on a very just like natural level deep level and um and then aaron parks obviously was one of the people that i admired already you know before i even moved here so it was a, a great honor to to you know meet him and start playing with him and i was also it was also very very quickly that we realized this this really works you know this is perfect and uh same with near felder he i like what i love about near is is his that he's also really into rock music and you know that ho- whole world and i am too so he brings that into the music as well and then Colin and I, we've been playing obviously for a long time also, and he knows the music so well. Um, so it's great. It's perfect. He, you know, always brings that one thing that's going to make that song even more special. Um, yeah, it's a great combination of people. And I feel also it's, it, it's, they're not necessarily people that play together all the time otherwise. Um, and I like that too, because I think it's also important to, um, to create your own thing, even, you know, in your private life and people you hang out with, with your friends. I, I don't really like this whole click thing when just people stay in one click, you know, cause it's the easy way, you know, but the easy way is usually the more boring way. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So I'm always friends with people from all different groups. And, and I think I do that in my music too, in the way I create bands. And of course, Samir, I love Samir, uh, Zarif's also his, his tone and his special, special voice. Like he also sounds very, very unique. And he also, and the same actually with Lars Dietrich. All of us, we also also make uh, electronic music and we bring that whole different aesthetic into the music, I think. Um, and I miss Lars. He, he just moved back to Amsterdam. Ho- hopefully he's coming back soon. But yeah, when I, when I was just putting together the next gig, I was like, how, how am I going to do this without him? <laughs> he's so special, I think. Um, and I really hope he's going to come back soon because nobody sounds like Kim. It's so, I love the, the craziness about it and the dirtiness about it. <laughs> I love when it's not too clean. And actually, um, on the other hand, I find Will Vincent's playing is, is obviously so strong, but it's also, it's so pretty, you know, which is great too. And I actually wrote that song, the story for those particular people. 
and I wanted to bring Lars and Will together because they're so different. And it was kind of Will was the good guy <laughs> in the piece and Lars was the bad guy. And then they start battling and, you know, that's what the song is about. Great. And then Mariel uh, Roberts, she's playing the cello. I actually haven't known her for that long, but she's amazing. I mean, she's just really, really amazing cellist, great person too. So we've been playing a lot lately. Enjoy it very much as well. So another thing I wanted to ask you about, I think one thing we have in common is a is a Buddhist practice. Oh. And uh, so I might just have totally been reading that into the lyrical content of the album. Mm-hmm. But as I listened to the album, it sounded to me like there were places that were influenced by that. So I wanted to ask if that was if that was true. Yeah, of course. Um, let me think about it for a second. Mm, the song. Yeah, it's not I never go and and. And think like, okay, let me write a song that's influenced by Buddhism or something like that. But everything, Buddhism is, uh, you know, that's my philosophy. That's how I look at life, you know. It's just such an amazing just explanation of how life works. And I've been studying that a lot and, you know, practicing for the last five and a half, past five and a half years. Um, it just really influenced me on every level. And it's the core, you know, it's the core of my life. So it's going to influence everything. Um, yeah, I think certain ideas I've, I've already had before I even started practicing Buddhism. And that's why, you know, when I, when I found it, I was like, Oh yes, this is what I've been looking for. Cause it made so much sense. Um, but you know, over the past couple of years by practicing Buddhism more, I think I've also become more and more, um, just aware of that. I, are conscious about yeah what I want to do with my music too and with my life I want to have a positive impact on society you know I don't want to I don't want to just make music for myself you know or to show how great I am so it, I really want to give something to people and inspire people to you know find find their own greatness within themselves do you think the world needs art yes of course why um, because 
Well, art connects, especially music, is connects you with. It's it's very spiritual. I think it connects you with things that you're you're not you can't you can't see you can't touch, but they're there. You know you can't deny it. And art is an expression of of you know the basic in in Buddhism there are the four sufferings right everyone has to face it's it's birth uh, aging sickness and death everybody you know is born into this world and you're born into who you are and you can't choose you know and like a lot of times we go like why you know why do i have this i don't have to be this kind of person or why am i even here you know sometimes that that can be even really you know hard to understand um and then you know everybody gets sick everybody gets old and then you die and it's hard for everyone you know and there's there's just no way around it but then there's also you can you can turn these sufferings and turn them around and turn them into joy you know by realizing what the meaning of life is the meaning of life is to be happy and to help other people to become happy too and to make the most most of this and and i feel music is is an expression of everything everything we go through you know and and our, the struggle you know the struggle of life and the the process and the the path and it, that's why i feel it's so important that through music we give hope to each other you know and we don't like dwell i think sometimes we like to dwell and to just like be like suffering a little bit and sometimes it it can be good to make that music or listen to that music too because it's a, a a real thing that happens right but then i think as an artist for myself also it's very important to not just be in that place but show a way out of that too you know to represent everything that happens in life and yeah and uh, your album is not it's not saccharine or super sweet i mean it's not it's not just like deliriously happy i mean there there's a range of emotion represented in your music mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah, because it's life, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me personally, it's actually much easier to make sad music or dark music. It would be much easier, but I'm I'm trying to not do that, obviously, because that's not what I want to put out into the world, and also that's not how I want to go through life myself. Um, but of course, it has to be also like, real and deep. You know, you don't want to. Just be like, yay, la la la, superficial. Oh yeah, and then what I wanted to say too is, I think music really, and art um, keeps you know the the child in you, you know, and and awakens the child in people, and this this pure pure person that doesn't that isn't so influenced by you know society tells you and what you think you should do and i think it it everybody struggles also with just keeping your dreams alive you know and and having the courage to go for what you really want to go for and to live the life you want to live and um i think art is something that that keeps that alive in people yeah and that sounds like a kind of a line that has gone through your entire artistic path this i mean you talked about you know even from when you first started writing songs as a, you know, preteen and then through mm. high school where you felt like what you wanted to do was very different from 
what you were being encouraged to do. And now where you write music, I think that's very individual. I mean, which is why I like it. I mean, I get, as I often say on this show, I get so much music sent to me mm-hmm. and the things that make any particular album stand out. The main thing tends to be that I feel like it's a performer who has a personal vision of what, of what their music should be, which is what mm-hmm. I really like rather than feeling like someone is doing what's expected or, you know, well, I spent all that money on my education. I probably should only play what I was taught or those kinds of things, which is what mm-hmm. I, I kind of like about your music. And it sounds like that's how you have lived all along. Yeah, it's true. It is, but it, it's become also stronger with time. It, it took me also time. It takes, it takes a lot of courage, you know, mm. and I feel especially in the past five years since I started practicing Buddhism, that's become stronger too. That's why I think this album does sound a lot different than the last one too, because the last one I was still a little conflicted, you know, I had it both like, Yes, I was always living like that, but, but it's always, you know, how far can you go with that too? You know, how much are you doing that? And I think I always did that more than other people around me, but I feel now I really feel just, um, confident about who I am, you know, not to say that this is, you know, this is it. This is great. You know, I don't have to grow. I don't have to change. There's so many things, you know, I want to learn and, so much growing to do still uh, and so much development and new things but I'm also I feel I'm I'm I like myself how I am now you know I don't constantly like get down on myself oh you know you should be like this or like that and I I used to be more like that and that's one of my greatest benefits from practicing Buddhism actually to start like uh, like loving yourself that's so important to be able to do that and then, but then continuously every day, you know, trying to, to, to better yourself, to become a better you. And, and that's one of the things that I, for example, love about Wayne Shorter. He's a great example of that. He's a Buddhist, Buddhist too. And he's just so unique and so strong in what he does. And he keeps growing. I mean, he's in his seventies now and he still keeps growing. That's so inspiring. And, and he's happy too. You know, he's not some, He's not bitter, you know, or sad and in his personal life, which even though he went through so much tragedy, you know, I think that's, that's great because I struggled with that in the past because I looked at a lot of my heroes, a lot of people whose music I, I just love, you know, and ha- that have inspired me so much, but a lot of them had a very sad personal life. And I was like, I don't want that, you know, and, but I could see myself go there too, because we, as artists, a lot of times we have this self-destructive you know, tendency. Um, and a lot of our inspiration comes from suffering. So sometimes we just kind of want to go there because it makes us creative, but then we don't know how to get out of there. And, and I don't want to live like that. So.
Can you talk about upcoming performances that you have? Yeah, I have my album release show at the Jazz Gallery on May 31st, Thursday. That's very exciting. And then I also, that's in New York, and I have another show coming up in New York, June 11th, actually, at the Shapeshifter Lab. And then I'm playing in Baltimore, June 1st, at a place called Andy Music. <laughs> Excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go more um, to different places on the East Coast, because I've never really done that before, so... I'm very excited about that. That's great. My guest is Maria Neckham. Her new CD is called Unison. It's on Sunnyside. And it's been a, a real pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. That's music from vocalist Maria Neckham and her new Sunnyside record, Unison. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Nicholas Payton. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, please become a member and also contribute to the tour. Go to thejazzsession.com. Wow, I almost just gave my own website wrong. Go to thejazzsession.com slash tour for more information. The tour starts June 1st, going down the eastern seaboard all the way to New Orleans. And I hope to see you out there. I'll be going all over the U.S. and probably into Canada and hopefully elsewhere. So please go to thejazzsession.com slash tour and find out more. Meanwhile, get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. And come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session.